I'd like to take you all down memory lane. Remember when I had just arrived in Melbourne in February this year? I was signing up for events left, right and centre. If there was anything that popped up that was of interest and made sense, I was the first to book tickets. One such event was the Melbourne Soup Social Entrepreneurship Pitch Night. Melbourne Soup founded with a goal in mind of elevating the community with impactful ideas. Their tagline, good causes, good food and good people, could not better summarize their mission. Having been fortunate enough to attend one such event, in person gratefully before lockdown, I came across two brilliant minds. The youth think tank of the future are the words that stuck to my head. As I listened to Ali and Nana's pitch, they were saying everything that my mind kept telling me about the future of young people. The only difference was, they were doing the things my brain was telling me are needed in the community. As soon as the pitch night was over, I just had to speak with them. My mind immediately went into ideation mode and how I could connect with them and connect them to my network to propel their business forward and help as best I could. Their humility, passion, drive and genuine care for young people is infectious and what truly wanted me to be a part of bridging us no matter what. Today, I'm grateful to not only call them my friends, but the founders of the company I'm so grateful to be a part of. A company that doesn't just say it wants change, it makes change happen. So, dearest Nana and Ali, welcome to the podcast today and thank you so much for your time and for being the incredible humans that you are. You really are my version of Wonder Vision. So I want to start by telling the world who you both are and why you're in this together. Well, thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure. So my name is Ali. I'm one of the co-founders and and directors of Bridging Us. Yeah, I just want to echo that. Thank you for inviting us to your podcast, Arjun. I think it's our pleasure to be here today. Uh, My name is Imana and I'm the co-founder of Bridging Us. Yeah, Um, Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the incredible company that I've been speaking about in the introduction. So um, why don't both of you tell us a little bit about yourselves and um, where you're currently at, and then we'll get into the important stuff. Well, I came to Australia about four years ago, so I am not a citizen. Um, I was an international student while I was studying at the University of Melbourne. And I came to Australia for the idea of pursuing my economics degree and getting a job in Australia. So that was the whole plan. And we all know, you know, we all think that (laughs) commerce degree would get the job. So I did my commerce degree and with our big diploma at the university and graduated about um, a year and a half ago, Uh I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, from then on, try to apply for jobs after graduation and couldn't find a, an interview. It's not even a job, not even an offer. I couldn't find oh, okay. any interviews. Um, so it was pretty um, hectic time, I reckon. Um, but yeah, I think from then on actually really helped me to really find what I really want to do because it really makes me realize my degrees or my experience is more than, I guess, it's more than just um, out of resume sort of thing. And um, so I think kind of that's what created and helped me to 
realize that maybe it's time to instead of finding a job, it's actually time to create a job. <laughs> so that's a little bit of my, I guess, introduction for why I created Bridging Arts and why I'm in Australia right now. Great, and you, Ali? And as well, man has done like a bunch of amazing stuff in between. That, but I'll, like, you know, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> in terms of me, so I was, um, I was born in Australia. Uh, my family. Um, Lebanese migrants and refugees came to Australia in the 1980s during the Lebanese Civil War. Um, and, you know, similar to Nana, I pursued kind of economics. And I thought, you know, I think it's what we're here. Like, you know, commerce is how you, you know, get them, get jobs, get money, you know, whatever the sense of purpose, sense of prestige, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And I think also growing up um, in a you know, family of migrants, refugees, and similar to Nana, I think we, we had an upbringing of of working hard, but also have a very high level of social mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. Um, which I think yeah. often is very difficult to balance because I think going into uni and, and trying to the workforce, uh, it, it's very hard to do, do both. I think the perception of mm-hmm. being socially conscious is the sense of like, oh, you just want to work at a non-for-profit. You're not going to make money. You're not going to really make a difference. You know, you have to go to business. That's where business is, uh, that's where change is made um, versus, you know, obviously, being very interested in economics and policy as we both were. Um, and actually, ironically, I didn't actually meet Nana in um, economics. I met her in Arabic class. We both studied Arabic <laughs> as well. And yeah, similar to Nana, we both did a lot of work experience during uni, you know, non-for-profits, um, you know, across mental health, domestic violence, uh, environmentalism. Uh, we did a lot of great work. Mm-hmm. And similar, I graduated six months after Nana and couldn't find work at all you know i had i made a joke that you know we had spoken to both Nana and i members of parliament you know we, we both had met the, the federal minister for youth uh-huh. um, and yet we couldn't find a job um, i think we both got one interview each for the jobs wow. we applied for um which is really tough uh, and really demotivating demoralizing i um, can only able imagine to mm-hmm. um, yeah it was really i think a low period for us and it happened yeah we just out of, I think, frustration and um, desperation, but I think also it was just like it's literally the last choice. Like we had literally tried everything to get a job, applied for jobs both within our profession and outside our profession in terms of expertise. And we were like, stuff it, we're just going to make our own business. And for us, the main thing was really trying to focus on youth participation mm-hmm. and bring young people and decision makers together. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to be that at the time where we um, decided to do that, um, opportunity came up with a pre-accelerator program catalyzer for you know, migrant uh, and refugee entrepreneurs who want to start their business. Now, no, like we barely have an idea. Uh, don't know if we're going to have a shop, but sure, we'll go for it. We got nothing, literally nothing else to do, and so we applied for it, and we somehow got in. And then a few months later, yeah, we, we founded Bridging Us in yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we founded Bridging Us in uh, March of 2020 this year. Fantastic. And what a year to found a company. Yeah. Yeah. We all never expected COVID-19 <laughs> to happen. <laughs> I, I In a way, I think it has served well. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they all say that some of the world's leading companies were founded in, in great depressions and, and situations like this. So Exactly. Uh, That's why we're hoping now. We're going to make it, guys. We're going to make it. Uh, so, uh how did the idea of Bridging Us really come about? So the idea for Bridging Us really, I think, was permeating for a very long time. And I don't think there was one 
pivot or one turning point. I think it was really a lot of moments that coalesce. During, as I said, during uni, we worked a lot, um, different not-for-profits, different organizations, uh, a lot of them around young people, empowering young people. Mm-hmm. And we recognized that a really big problem was the polarization between young people and decision makers and the lack of an institutional norm or a status quo where young people and decision makers were seen as equals and working uh, with one another. And they were seeing like that that was actually how we would drive change was that using the lived experience and the energy and the new ideas of young people with the technical expertise um, and experience of decision makers in the institutions. Mm-hmm. I think following up Ali's point is I think Bridging Us came about through our experience as well because we've both worked in the community but we've also both worked in the government and we realized that the very much gap of the disconnection between the community and the government when we both realized that they both need each other um the community needs the community needs a policy that is effective for what they're doing and the government needs the community to actually implement those policies and so that it's kind of mind-blowing i guess for us when we start working mm-hmm. in not-for-profits and and we realize the very um the hardest thing is actually to get the government to do what this not this this experts in their field and like you know helping community to um, be able to find them to give them resources but it's completely different to what the government thinks the community needs so there's this connection between them and I think we realize that's when I guess someone needs to bridge the two. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. No, no pun intended. Well, well that's that's quite quite an interesting, you know, story because it really hones in on what the problem is today between decision makers and young people who, you know, almost play a part in in those decision makers taking decisions that aren't relevant for young people so yeah i think that's that's a very important problem to to address yeah and you know what made the two of you pull the trigger to go down the path the, the path of entrepreneurship i think this goes to um we have to give a shout out to one of ali's professors um i think he was the one who put the first um who put the belief in our idea because our idea our initial idea was just going to make a student forum where we basically have we have a platform kind of like a marketplace where we can have young people to publish their work and at the same time how we can connect them to organizations so it was as simple as like a forum uh-huh. and um and so all these professors we talked about about our ideas to one of Ali's professors and he actually was the one who said, oh, why don't you guys make this um, youth policy thing dang? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think that was kind of the first, um, kind of the first spark of bridging us um, from mm. his belief in our idea. And also at the same time, like I was saying before, I guess finding a job is hard and creating a job is also hard. But the, mm. the difference between the two is with you creating that job for yourself, at least you get to choose what job you're doing. And at least you get to be in a job that you're passionate about. So I think that also kind of helps us to go into that entrepreneurship. Mm. Huh? 
and words of wisdom. Ironically, that professor then actually, what, like four months later, ended up being a professor for Irish running yourself. <laughs> <laughs> your master of entrepreneurship. Disclaimer. Yeah, shout, shout out to Yuri. And Huge it really, shout out to Yuri. A big shout out. He's a, a legend. Um, and really echoing Nana as well. Like it, It's funny because at that time, you know, while at uni, we were both you know, working and volunteering on the social impact space more broadly. And we had that idea. We came to the idea with Yuri around a forum and a, you know, even a student journal because we recognized that that's, that lack of young people and decision makers working together wasn't just something that was happening in workplace but it's actually also happening in academia because so many times young people were being shut down in terms of their ideas you know if you didn't conform to the curriculum or you offered a unorthodox approach or perspective you were often marked down for that and so it very much disincentivizes students mm. to think uh, beyond um, the existing norms or beliefs and also okay. that there was no is cross-pollination between departments. You know, we were very fortunate that through Arabic, we were actually able to meet and be friends with lots of amazing people from across, you know, from the arts to science to biomedicine wow. to commerce. Mm-hmm. And we could actually discuss really interesting perspectives on issues. But we didn't hear any of those. We weren't hearing the, the different perspectives. You know, I always give this example of a close friend of ours who was giving a perspective of how sexual repression actually feeds into uh, radicalization and terrorism and it was such a left field idea but it was so compelling actually when I sat down with it and, and talked about it it's like well we don't actually get to hear these ideas why are we not offering not only hearing these odd or new innovative perspectives but why aren't we sharing them why can't we talk about it and so that really fed into then you know coming to bridging us you know not only mm-hmm. having the motivation from Yuri and, and the encouragement but yeah. we saw that this was really a systemic problem a lack of youth voice at every level not just in academia but also the workforce indeed and having faced you know the lack of of having this voice personally is is what really resonated with me during during your pitch at at the melbourne (laughs) soup event and you know that just drew me towards you and it i just had to be a part of this so thank you for taking that step and you know, building bridging us. Um, and- <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stop. I, I gotta step in here and give the and give this anecdote for everyone because Arjun was the only person at this pitch. Obviously, a lot of people came up after chatting on, but he's the only person at that pitch that came up afterward and said, "I want to be involved. Get get me involved. I don't care what it is. Let me be involved." Um, and probably alongside Yuri was the only person who, you know, really jumped into 100% say so I want to be involved and help you so you know, without oh, the support of Arjun we probably wouldn't have been here like, no I think you're fine that's too sweet but that's not the truth <laughs> it's all your hard work um, so um, you've clearly faced you know some challenges I know you have in getting here and you know what were those challenges and how has being part of a pre-accelerator been you know a boon to deal with such challenges i think one of the main challenges for me and for us is not knowing what entrepreneurship is about we've i think the joke with my friends i said i don't think i will be an entrepreneur (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I will be someone who owns a company and run a company, but somehow got into it now. And so where do we even start? 
Um, I think that was a question, um, the main question when we started bridging us, where do where are we supposed to do? Um, what do we do? We were we were lost, <laughs> and I think that was kind of the challenges because we just didn't know where to start. Whether we to start to actually talk to people, do we start making a name? Do we do a logo? Like as simple as that. So. Uh-huh. Being part of an accelerator and being part with other entrepreneurs, I think, really helps us to understand that our challenges are common challenges, and it helps us not go crazy. And I think after talking with our other colleagues and you know, other entrepreneurs as well, they resonate with our challenges. And I think with that, being able to be understood by having the same sort of common situation, we actually came up with. You know, better ideas. We actually feel better, and that helps us to think. That helps us to actually do what we want to do. So that was kind of main challenge for us in the very beginning. Mm. And, and I think to really echo Nana, I think a big thing as well was, and something that Nana and I are always passionate about talking about is how to overcome the ego that often is involved with social impact. So I think even being in that space and that sense of imposter syndrome, you know. I think yep. we were some of the youngest people there um, at, in the pre-accelerator program. We had never done a business before. We didn't even have a fully formed idea yet. And really diving into collaboration and that urge to compete with others, the urge to kind of want to one-up everyone and really learn to share freely, to work collaboratively with others. And from there, we had you know some of our earliest collaborations and you know friends now that have continued to support us. And I think it's a really ongoing challenge with um, entrepreneurship in general, but I think also social impact space is how do I remove this savior complex that I need to be the one or the face of changing the world? And I think it's something that we often don't address is really how pervasive that perception or that ego can be egocentrism can be particularly in social impact Um, and it's something that we really can only overcome by being humble uh, and being willing to work with others and collaborate i think that was a really great uh, benefit that we had as we dived into entrepreneurship as nana said and to learn like the basics you know like what is a a customer persona what is seo you know all like the most basic (laughs) things you know it it felt like being taught arithmetic for the first time yeah and and they really are you know um basic skills that i think everyone needs to be taught that help bring these ideas out into the world um yeah so i mean look we we want to make the world a better place for all young people right my question is what does a better world look like for the both of you easy questions (laughs) (laughs) i think at the heart of for us you know youth participation or just having young people decision makers i think for me the heart of it is that we involve people who are directly affected by issues as part of the decision making process as part of the problem solving process i think too often it seems straightforward but too often is that um, ignored or it's not incorporated it can be very much a exclusive sphere where only those who are deemed to be experts are allowed to govern or are allowed to influence 
the problem solving around different issues, not just around young people, but it's a you know it's a very pervasive issue. And for me, I would love that young people be part of the decision making at every step on every issue that's relevant to them. But even beyond that, I want there to be a new culture, a new understanding of involving the very people on the ground who are being affected by this issue as part of the decision-making process because they're the ones who know where the issues are. They're the ones who knows where the cracks are. And without actually bringing them part of the table and having that sense of mutual respect, a sense of reciprocity, a sense of mutual understanding, we can't get there. And that's not just, that's not an indictment of, you know, decision-makers. I think as well something that Nana recognized, like that means also people on the ground have to be able and willing to, collaborate and not just say you know stuff the people in in power we're not we're going to do this on our own because we saw firsthand that that only perpetuates the problems and for us you know when young people don't collaborate decision makers and likewise decision makers don't collaborate with young people um it's a lose-lose situation and we need to end that cycle we need to end the cycle again remove that ego to be one of someone to say this has got to stop and we're going to bring everyone together to solve this problem. Otherwise, it's just going to perpetuate the same problems. Agreed. I'd Ali summarise it pretty much everything I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think highlighting that um, it's a sense of collaboration, I think, um, for us is if everyone we can call if everyone can collaborate in different issues i think maybe that's a way to go just you know to save the world <laughs> or you know to change the world because i think more than anything covid-19 has actually reminded us how interconnected our world is we can't just forget any part of our community um because everyone is affected and we can't just work independently because we're all one society so and in this goes to issues as well we can't just tackle mental health when we don't tackle environmentalism we can't just tackle domestic violence when we don't tackle mental health issues and the, the issues goes on so i think the sense of collaboration and that's how we we kind of see the world hopefully will be and with the drive and the passion that the two of you have i'm pretty sure it will be very soon Um, now what advice do the two of you have for young budding entrepreneurs that you'd like to thrust upon them just go with it i think that's keep it simple yeah definitely <laughs> just go with it and if you have an idea you're the only person is going to believe in it we are lucky that we have yuri and ajun to believe in us in the very beginning but most cases is it's you you're the one who's going to have to believe in your ideas first and there will be so many questions i think along the way and we're still having so many questions but don't let those questions kind of stop you from doing what you really want to do and finding a job is hard creating a job is hard but at least one way you are passionate about the things that you're doing and so just start start somewhere <laughs> i think that's probably my own advice yes <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Nana. And Mr. Nora. I think for me looking back and something that we got feedback on constantly and I um still a struggle for us. And I think this is because we perhaps were we became very 
professional, you know, we, we had been in this space for a long time and something we struggled with, we really struggled to tell our own story, I think, with the, the emotional honesty and um, that entailed. Mm-hmm. You know, the stories of expectations of, of you, know, for, you know, for me, growing up in a migrant refugee family, um, expectations of, you know, Nana, um, you know, being an international student from Indonesia, um, and, you know, all the struggles and difficulties that we faced trying to make a difference as young people and often being disregarded or voiceless. We really struggled to express that. But when we did and when we were able to, it really motivated people. It really, um, it really captured the hearts of others. And it really is you know, that old saying of, you know, people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. And if it, I could, you know, give advice to people, um, it's, you know, share your story honestly. Um, I think you have an obligation to bring forth your lived experience um, and what's happened to you because without that, people won't know that there's a problem and people won't care um, and they need to hear your personal story. Um, and I think together with that and, you know, Nana's point around, you know, just go for it. It's the ability to bring those two together um, and really um, go for it with that honesty, with that um you're not going to apologize for your experience. We're actually going to utilize your experience um, to drive change. Um, and to, I guess, just, you know, you know, Kendrick Lamar, be humble. You know, <laughs> you know just know that, you know, yes. we, don't, we don't know a lot. You know, I think for us, we're, we're, we're still struggling. Um, uh, we don't, still not sure about the direction we're going. We're still learning every day. Uh, and it can be hard. It can be really hard feeling that pressure. Um, there's expectations, even expectations we place in ourselves that we're not doing well enough. But that's a sign that we still have a lot to learn, and that's okay. Um, that's the exciting part. <laughs> that is brilliant, and thank you so much, you know, for really pearls of wisdom. And I have learned so much from the two of you, and I know I'll continue learning as I go along. But to my wonder vision, um, thank you so much for you know sharing those phenomenal insights i can't wait to be a part of this journey with you and i wish nothing but the best to you both and to the success of bridging us so yeah, yeah. likewise thanks arjun for inviting us i think it's a it's a, such an honor to be here today <laughs> thank you arjun thanks guys well- those were two of my guiding lights As Ali timelessly reminded me the other day, during one of our discussions on BU and life in general, Marianne Williamson has said, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Until next time, 
अलविदा दोस्तों फेयरवेल